Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Some brands offer you low finance, or cashback, or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Thursday. It's November 8th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. Oh, Daily Fantasy Sports Rankings is the site. DFSR.com slash deals gets you a free seven-day trial to our projection system. It's powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. It's optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings, NFL, NBA, NHL, only like two or three weeks away on NHL, which we're excited about. Uh, Premium content, premium chat, all covered under one subscription package. So go check it out. And there's a deal for podcast listeners, that gets you $10 off per month. Uh, you're not going to find a better deal than that for what we offer. DFSR.com slash deals gets you started, so go head on over. Today, we're going to be talking Week 10 cash game plays. There's a lot. This is a, this already is shaking out to me. I think we're going to see ownership all over the place this week um, just because we have a lot of very close pricing uh, on some of these different guys, which we'll, we'll talk about, uh, and we'll be back tomorrow doing a game-by-game breakdown uh, where we take a look at all the games on the main slate and what kind of stuff you can consider. And I think it's going to be a long one because I think we're going to spend time doing a lot of like if, you know, this guy or that guy uh, sort of not coin flips, but um, that's sort of where we that's a little bit not a, not an issue, but something that we were kind of finding when we were writing the cash game article this week. Now, you started off with Ryan Fitzpatrick, at quarterback. Oh man, I don't know. I you you, you like Fitzpatrick more than me. And I maybe I'm not sure what my rationale behind like staring at him in a cash game lineup for some reason, I it's just not something that fills my... Like I, I like looking at the Deshaun Watsons, the Cam Newtons, like these guys that run, and I don't know. Cool, I'm listening I, if you have better options for this week, for sure. In the meantime, uh, I'll just point back to our last week's cash game podcast where I called Fitzpatrick the best quarterback playing on the slate, and it turned out to be exactly that. He came out and just did what he's been doing, which is being very, very efficient, um, throwing for lots of touchdowns. One thing I really love about the Bucks is their passing down in the red zone. Uh, the Bucks. I wrote this up in the article. Let me go pull up the exact number. The Bucks have, let's see. Oh, darn it. <laughs> I thought I could pull this up easily. Uh, the Bucks. I think they have like something like two rushing touchdowns uh, this season. And the rest have come through the air. And Fitzpatrick has been very efficient when he gets down there. And so I think for that reason, you know, 7,600 is still not an outrageous price tag. And really it's going to come down to... So the quarterback position in a nutshell is, do you want to go with Fitzpatrick or probably like Trubisky in a very, very similar price range, or do you want to pay up uh, for one of the expensive guys? And I've got my reason against playing a lot of these expensive guys too, but uh, but that's kind of where it comes down to. So I guess like with a gun to your head, if you don't like Fitzpatrick, would you rather play Mitch Trubisky? Because I think that's another guy our lineup optimizer is pulling out right now. And uh, you know I think that could be a direction that a lot of people go this week. 
Oh, yeah, let me clarify. I It's not that I don't think he, relative to the rest of the field, is a good play. It's just a guy that I'm just not excited about staring at. And I, and I fully recognize that there are other there's the options seem do seem somewhat limited we have a big some big spread games going on this week um I, I agree with you that his price probably actually hasn't fully caught up for how much they do want to pass when when he's in there uh so i, I guess I, yeah i'm not saying that i think there's better options out there it's worth noting here too um uh, this game does project to sort of be a, a high scoring shootout 51 and a half over under right now tampa bay is 27.25 implied points that the line started at minus one for them is up to minus three and I, I'm I'm with it and I, I I get it. I don't know. I mean, we we have Rogers as the second guy. I mean, how much do you think Rogers? Do you think it's worth paying for his floor? So Fitzpatrick right now seventy six hundred. Rogers eighty six hundred. They're a team that has had to throw the ball a lot, especially recently because they've been in some weird game scripts. This might not be the case for them, but he's thrown forty three. He had the thirtieth pass game against the Rams, but forty six fifty two forty forty four. Um, do you see Rogers as? I mean, could you make how big of a case is it to make? How much safety do you think you buy by paying up an extra thousand at, on FanDuel? I'm, I, yeah, I'm not sure that you seem- get much to be honest with you. And this is like yeah. why I wound up listing Fitzpatrick first because I like Rodgers. I think he's a good play. I think he's the my favorite of the expensive plays this week. I think the Mahomes price is just out of bounds now. It's like coming up on ten thousand. I understand that the guy's been good, but we've just never seen a ten thousand dollar quarterback. And I'll just go keep going back to the well and saying that I, I believe that Mahomes won't be the first coming of the true talent $10,000 quarterback. So the case for Rodgers is essentially you compare him against the other expensive quarterbacks. Uh, you realize that many of them are in just very strange situations. So like Philip Rivers, uh, he's a 10-point favorite at the Raiders, so that's a good matchup. But he's got Melvin Gordon there. Uh, you know, just ready to eat his lunch and get touchdowns and, you know, cannibalize most of his production. Uh, you got Drew Brees, but it's the same thing with him. You got Kamara, Ingram, uh, especially their willingness to run Kamara down in the red zone now makes me concerned that we could see Brees give back a lot of the uh, early season, you know, touchdown prowess that he seemed to have. And I, I get that he threw for four passing touchdowns last week, but with two and one in the prior two weeks, I just don't know if we're going to be able to count on that going forward. And Rodgers just has a good matchup. Uh, again, I, I wrote this up in the article, but Miami, they are a bottom six passing defense this season. And oh, I'm sorry, they've allowed the fifth most yards per attempt in the air this season. And among those expensive quarterbacks, he just gets like all of those little boxes checked. So, you know, great matchup, um, good potential game script. He doesn't have a running game that's too, too, too competitive with what he's trying to do. He can still run the ball a little bit. I think you still are getting a pretty good floor in him. And all that being said, I probably won't pay the extra thousand uh, just for the pleasure of doing so. It's a little closer on DraftKings for me, uh, where you only need to pay five hundred more, though. Yeah, sixty four hundred for Rogers on DraftKings feels like something I could just kind of want to do. <laughs> I mean, I get that sure, he's the most sec- he's the second most expensive quarterback there, but the price discrepancy isn't as isn't as like steep as what you get uh, on FanDuel. So yeah. while sixty four hundred. Mahomes is seventy two hundred. That game's a sixteen and a half total, uh, where that's about the highest we've seen this season. So you have significant blowout risk. And if you think that like the Chiefs aren't even going to be playing starters in the fourth quarter, which is uh, I don't know a somewhat reasonable expectation yeah, on exactly. when, when so you're a seventeen at their point favorite. I don't think that's unreasonable. Yeah, so um, it, that just seems like maybe not the place to pay up. Uh, and I get it, but uh, I don't know. So, yeah, I think a, a nice hedge, at least our system's doing right now, is Fitzpatrick on FanDuel, Rodgers on uh, DraftKings, and I think you'd be fine. Now, you added Baker Mayfield and Trubisky down here at the bottom of this group. Is this mm-hmm. group, are those two guys sort of like the 
tier below? Do you see them sort of sitting close to the Rodgers and Fitzpatrick group of guys you would be willing to... I mean, this is all relative to price. I, I always want to just throw that out there as the caveat. Like, I'm not saying that on a raw points projection we have these guys close to Aaron Rodgers, but are these guys that are... You know, taking a thousand dollar savings on their on their makeup to put in the same tier. Or do these guys kind of fall a tier below the guys we just mentioned? I mean, from my perspective, they fall a tier below. I'm not sure necessarily sure that Vegas sees it that way. I mean, these these two games still have very very respectable totals. The Falcons and Lions also both top six matchups in the NFL for opposing passers in terms of yards per attempt allowed. And I think yeah, I mean, like I said, those other guys with good matchups just all have their various issues. So I think in the case of Trubisky. Uh, we've seen him just flex for huge totals in the past, and we've seen it just totally come and go as well. But the current price tag also reflects that. So, you know, if you think he can get back to that four-game stretch where, I mean, the guy went 44 fantasy points, 28, 34. Like the guy, like that. that's a really, really lot of fantasy points. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. And he was running the ball in that stretch too. That's, that's what the, it is. the yeah. thing I like about Trubisky, and I imagine you do as well, is with eight, six, and six carries for a minimum of 47 yards over a three-game stretch. The running looks legit on Trubisky, too. So uh, I think both these guys, in my mind, they're more like upside plays that you want to consider for big tournaments, given that I just think Fitzpatrick has the higher floor. But I think you can make a case for either, and I think that's going to make... like I, the, An interesting thing for me to see... Well, or I'm sorry, an interesting thing for me to see this coming week is where people go on the Trubisky-Fitzpatrick question, because... I can tell like some of the underlying numbers in our system would prefer to to prioritize Trubisky, but I think in my mind, I'm sort of leaning Fitzpatrick. I mean, against New England, Trubisky was a good $7,700 running back. He had a six-carry, 81 yeah. yards, and a, and a touchdown. Um, like, not I mean, he was, you know, 2x on right around yeah, 2x value yeah. just, <laughs> just, on the, just, on, just on the ground against New England. And he, the, the thing is with him, he just has to get there on the ground. Like, mm-hmm. the games where the the, the Bears— kind of control the game and are running the ball, like i.e. what happened against, with them against the Bills, uh, I, sort of even what happened with them against the Jets. Um, if he's not going to get there on the ground, you're in big trouble because he's not an accurate passer mm-hmm. and um, they just don't throw enough. Like they're just, their game is not to, their game is to kind of run the ball, run on the clock, let the defense do the work. You could see that being the case here against the Lions who looked like a complete and utter mess last week against the yeah. Vikings. So um, look, teams can switch on a dime and be, look good the next week. We've seen it happen time and time again, but uh, Vegas suggested this game should be controlled by the Bears. All right, let's get to running back, because this is actually where I have the biggest... This is where I found this to be a very difficult week. I can make a case, and I said this last week going into the week, is that I can make a, a pretty strong case and a, for and against like the top six running backs uh, <laughs> yeah. in terms of salary, and none of it would be incorrect. Like To prioritize one guy over the other, is, was, I found it to be very difficult, because when you look down the list of running backs this week... Uh, in terms of just overall salary, it's Gurley, Hunt, Gordon, Kamara, Mixon, and then and after that, there's a kind of a drop off. But those five guys, uh, man, I, th- it was hard to pick out the difference. I I, I mentioned Gurley on just mostly because of the DraftKings, and I do think that he's gonna see you know his touches kind of increase back up to where they went over New Orleans. But I I went Gurley and then Kamara, and it easily could have been Hunt and Gordon. Like I, I just don't. Does that make sense? So I'm saying I hate to like hedge into oblivion here, but I, I no, I don't think it's hedging into oblivion. I mean, last week we saw. Four running backs, eight, like 7,900 or more, I believe it was, have like 60% ownership on... Now, that, that math doesn't even work. On FanDuel? No, yeah, it does. Um, it does with the they, flex, yeah. Or no, yeah, you're right, it doesn't. <laughs> we had four... I'm sorry, we had four running backs score 30 fantasy points. And... I think, and both most of them were in that eight thousand dollar range. I think they're, you know, oddly, the script has totally flipped this season, uh, where we started out with all the safety at wide receiver, 
and now we're getting like a pretty good crop of premium running backs that seem to be able to do it regardless of the matchup. You know, that the scheme that they're running, the situation they're in, uh, the game scripts just seem to favor them week in, week out. And I think it's I think it's actually kind of nice. Like, I, I don't mind the fact that I can get a nice high floor on multiple different running backs and not get, like, totally screwed by missing out on James Conner or Kareem Hunt or whatever. Uh, that part is actually pretty reassuring to me. And just know that if you don't, pick the right one like you might just miss out on the 35 point green one week uh that's yeah. hap- that happens so, to the best it, of us so it's uh it's it's definitely a little bit dicey well when we're looking at running backs typically the things we really want to focus on first are big t- big favorites let's say like minus six and above um favorite for running backs. But you don't want to go i, I would prefer gonna... not to be like minus 17 like the cream hunt thing. well I, that's I that, see, and see that's where and this is the, that's where we're falling into a problem right so like if you're looking in this group of reasonable favorites preferably at home although it doesn't matter as much you're looking at the rams with Gurley at minus 10 you're looking at gordon at minus 10 with the chargers uh, going into oakland then you have then you have Hunt at minus sixteen and a half. Now Hunt had like three touchdowns and like six carries or six touches at some point in the game last week. Um, his usage is actually less than the top group on a, on a targets plus carries per game. He's a twenty. He's a twenty even, which actually is no sorry. He's a twenty right around twenty one. Right. Whereas Gurley and uh, Gurley's a twenty six. Uh, we have and there's Connor and then Barkley and then Mixon Kamara. Um, I'd be a little bit worried about the same reason about paying top dollar for a guy like Hunt with that. And he just gets a phenomenal matchup, and he could he could hit value in the first half the way that the the, the Chiefs are kind of rolling. So um, I, I think on DraftKings, I'm looking for a tick back up in usage for Gurley, who just obviously did not get there this week. He was only 9,400. I think Kamara. What are your thoughts on Kamara? Now Kamara, from a, a snaps perspective, it wasn't too. He didn't like overwhelmingly snap uh, out snap Mark Ingram last week, but he was. It's still he was still the guy that like just saw far more usage. Like he had the down and close usage. Um, they use him in the passing game. Is that does the does the the amount that they kind of targeted him last week overcome the fact that in, in the snaps perspective he's way below some of these other guys? I mean, he had a twenty three touch game in a game that just featured a lot of point scoring and where they were had plenty incentivized to play Ingram too. So I don't know. I, I think he's certainly has to be in that conversation the thing about Kamara too is like he's just so explosive on the touches he does get especially out of the passing game that I think that you have to put him in the same group now if you're if you just like get to choose between him and say Kareem Hunt I would guess that Hunt just has a higher floor based on you know just how good the Chiefs are and how willing they are to give him the ball in all aspects of the game uh you know almost regardless of the game script too it's like and there's no one with, with some of these other guys, Hunt, Gordon, and Gurley. There's no one else to pick up the slack if they happen to be having a bad game. And it hasn't happened yet, but I could foresee a scenario where Kamara gets off to a slow start and winds up with, you know, 13 carries and only five receptions or something. Uh, in which case, you're pretty unhappy. But nonetheless, I, I think we're still picking between excellent options here. So I would it would be another case where I would just trust whatever. Like I feel like I would want to get the inputs correct and then trust whatever came out the other end. Yeah, we have Kamara. For, you know, it's funny about Kamara. Like the snaps, he was on. The, he was on the field for 41 snaps, and you saw those 23 touches. 56 percent of the time, he was on the field. They just tried to get him the ball. That's as bad as good as percentage you'll see from any player in, in the NFL at this point. And um, it's just that they just still have Mark Ingram there, and that's the only thing that kind of worries me uh, at his price point. I do think they're also, and again, I can make the strong case for Melvin Gordon here too. Gordon is a, another guy, 10 point favorite. His touches are right in line with some of these other guys. He touches the ball actually a little bit more than Kareem Hunt per game this year. And again, like Hunt, it's one of these chicken or egg things because 
Mahomes and Hunt and these guys get a few less touches, but that's because they're just picking up so many more yards on their touches that they just don't need to. You know, they go 20 yards when they another team yeah. would just gone 10 and 10. So the touches get thrown off a little bit because they just chew up so much yardage because their offense is so so damn explosive, which is actually another thing that our system has had a little bit of trouble catching up with because it's the outlier kind of numbers that these guys have is is, is, is tough. But other guys here, there's a, a group of, of other running backs that if we're looking to save, I can make pretty strong cases for too. Like I wrote up Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, you got to like the fact that the Browns are like winning, dude, losing. It doesn't matter. You're going to touch the ball 20 times. Yeah, I get we're down two scores. We're still running the ball. I, like, you're Nick Chubb, much, dude. Do you think we're going to get away from you? No way. Well, if you're if he's going to get 20 carries around that in a game where they were losing pretty bad to the Chiefs. Uh, like, yeah, it's how the same much exact thing that there? they did with Carlos Hyde too. So we have like plenty of precedent here. That's what I mean. Like, so how much safety is that? It doesn't doesn't catch the ball a lot, but how much safety is in in, in a guy that is going to just the, the plan? It seems to be just be to run him twenty. Here, yeah, he ran twenty two times and had a target last week. They were getting killed by the Chiefs. How much safety is that? Because they're they're definitely underdogs this week. And this is typically we do not like to uh, grab running back underdogs. But I don't know. Maybe he bucks the mold with, with how much they use him. Yeah, I, w- I would say he's playable, but unexciting to me. I think in that middle, like the six thousand ish range tier, I think I like playing him. Um, I think given that we just got, and I'm sure we'll get to this in a second, a pretty attractive mid to high end wide receiver, it's going to get harder and harder to run triple expensive running backs. And I still think on Fanduel, you probably still want a running back at the flex. I think Chubb brings a level of floor there that is going to be tough to get out of of a similarly priced wide receiver. So yeah, I think you can play him. Absolutely. Um, Like literally the Browns have done this every game this season. Like one of these running backs has had 18 to 22 touches regardless of the game script. And I think it's just whatever. It's an organizational decision to not make Baker throw it 60 times a game or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's totally playable, I guess. And the last guy I kind of put through a, a little nod to is Aaron Jones. Jones uh, and the Packers are 10-point favorites. Jones is now the starting running back. He outsnapped Jamal Williams. He's the much better runner than Jamal Williams. I don't think that is really in question. It's just a matter of if he can get on the field for enough snaps. And I've read that you know he has problems like pass protecting, which is another thing that can get – sometimes people wonder, like, why can't this guy stay in the field? Well, it's because if you can't pick up, like, blitz packages and stuff like that, then the coaches are going to be kind of pissed at you. That being said, 14 <laughs> carries for 75 yards, also had four targets. He's a guy – he has as much upside as some of these other top running backs if he can just stay on the field. Like if he's the guy that they're just kind of running the clock out with, I could see a huge game out of Aaron Jones at only five thousand on DraftKings. Uh, I kind of want to just do it and hope that the the game script works out for him. And I get like why there'd be some hesitation. All right, let's get into some of these wide receivers. Um, AJ Green's out this week. Tyler Boyd. I want to be really bullish on Boyd, and I think people will be. How concerned are you sometimes when we see top wide receivers leave? I mean, I'm going to probably be overgeneralize this. Top wide receivers leave, and we automatically kind of project their usage onto the next guy up when not maybe realizing that the reason that next guy up has been so good is because the other guy was there. Does that make sense? Am I too convoluted in what I'm saying? Like, No, I don't think so. And I think it's a combination of two things, actually. I think there's a lot of leaps in logic that people make, right? So the first one, right, is that if A.J. Green is drawing double coverage the whole time, that creates... And just the best cornerback doesn't cover Tyler Boyd. That obviously creates a pretty favorable spot for him. So that's on the con side. On the pro side, obviously, there's going to be a decent amount of targets to be spread back around. So I don't know. Maybe those wind up balancing each other out. Back on the con side, though, is that a lot of times one wide receiver goes down. And so, like, I guess a better way to think about it is 
why do wide receivers get the number of targets per game that they get, right? Yep. Like, is it because, like in the case of Tyler Boyd, are there a lot of routes that they would throw to him, but it's just that they throw to A.J. Green instead? Or is he sort of getting the right amount of targets based on the opportunities that defenses tend to give him over the course of a game, like almost regardless of who's around him? And that can be a really, really hard thing to break down um, because, you know, the numbers don't really tell us what's inside the quarterback's mind. And so, you know, you have to dig a little bit deeper. And, you know, I tend to try to go kind of case by case. I think a good example of this was uh, Diggs going down last week. That didn't necessarily create more opportunity for Adam Thielen because they were already throwing to Adam Thielen as often as they could. <laughs> so, like, it arguably created less because exactly, they're, right. they, so they I were think able that's to actually, say we can double cover him. Right. So, I think that's actually a pretty reasonable comp here. Um, so, I think there's reason to be concerned. I also think that it will, it, sh- it really ought to generate uh, an increase in opportunity. And, uh, you know, I'm a little, I guess I'm semi concerned about the matchup too. I think you pointed this out in one of the earlier weeks, but New Orleans has a very polarized. Uh, set of cornerbacks where they're excellent against wide receiver ones and very bad against wide receiver twos. And so I would have loved, maybe we would have liked Boyd even more, but it's not clear that, you know, the cornerbacks will go one-to-one and, and, you know, slap right over on the Boyd. So see, this is where I'm going to be confused about this is where it's going to be really interesting to see what they do because Tyler Boyd lines up almost exclusively in the slot. Um, The, New Orleans is easily, easily worse cornerback is PJ Williams, who lines up exclusively in the slot. And so I, That is not going to change likely, but what can change is how much attention you pay to that position, knowing that this is clearly now their best receiver. Like, do you need to like cover John Ross in the same way you covered AJ Green? Clearly not, right? So like, do you need to cover Alex Erickson in the same way that you cover these other guys? Like, these guys could draw that one-on-one coverage the entire game, and that will only serve to probably make it things harder for Boyd. So I think this is this is a balancing act and maybe I'm too we're too far or too closely removed from what happened with Thielen last week. But I do think that's an excellent comp uh bringing that that case up because it's not it's unlikely to say like Tyler Boyd's just going to see He's not going to see all AJ. He's not going to see like 15 targets. I think that we no. would agree on that. And so now, you know, kind of becomes the sweet spot number. And again, it's probably not going to matter for cash games because I think he'll probably be the overwhelming chalk play. Now, there are some other wide receivers that you can go to here. You wrote up Julio Jones. He finally scored a touchdown. Um, it wasn't because they threw to him in the red zone. He kind of just like <laughs> did an out route and then broke it for a, a, a huge gain and just kind of wheeled himself into the end zone. But do you see him? We have him at, right now as projected the highest overall wide receiver, actually above Michael Thomas, who's coming off a, a nearly career game. Do you feel comfortable with that projection? They're around the same price. I could see people trying to decide between these two guys and maybe even Devontae Adams as well. Yeah, I think I would take him happily before Michael Thomas. I think uh, the Saints have shown as much as anybody that they're willing to just go with the hot hand and play matchups and stuff like that. And so Thomas had 15 targets last week. He had 15 targets combined in the prior two weeks. And the prior two weeks before that, he had nine targets combined. So I'm not really convinced that the plan is just to go back to early season Michael Thomas, where he started off the season with a 17-target game. I think he's just going to get those in the very best matchups, and the Rams were one of those. Uh, that was a really high-flying game, you know, heavily contested going both ways. Uh, the Cincinnati game has a reasonable total here too, but yeah, I just don't, I just don't see it. I don't think he's going to. Like he actually reminds me of Julio Jones in past years, where you're getting these huge blowout performances and then kind of quiet ones as well so I do prefer Jones to Thomas I wrote him up primarily just to call out if you have if you're going to pay up at a wide receiver position I like Jones Mm -hmm. I do think that you're going to probably wind up going as cheap as you can at wide receiver just because you have so many high floor very very reliable running backs Uh, but I think people have kind of forgotten about Julio Jones for whatever reason so I wanted to wanted to highlight him here 
Uh, yeah, averaging 12 targets, more than 100 yards in the last three weeks, averaging more than eight receptions. And like you said, uh, finally getting in the end zone. I think that you could see, I mean, there's there's a number of factors that point to Jones being a bounce back candidate, even though he's still 8,700, being a bounce back candidate uh, from his early season performances. Um, he's 14 yards behind Adam Thielen for first in the NFL. You know, I think that's a stat that a lot of people would be surprised to hear. Uh, basically, I just think he's an excellent wide receiver, and especially for big tournaments, you can probably get him at a lower relative ownership percentage just based on the hype surrounding other players right now. Two other guys that fall into the same price tier in this lower, it's like this lower or this middle tier are Cooper Cup and Jarvis Landry. Uh, Landry is 6,400 on FanDuel, Cup is 6,500, so basically the same. Both play, Cup obviously might, they're, they're bigger favorites. Landry has seen a ton of targets over the last couple weeks, hasn't converted them into any yards. I, I feel like we've had, had this discussion many times mm-hmm. with Landry is that, you know, it's, the targets seem to always be there. The conversion rate typically in the past has been there, and the yards you're kind of just waiting on because. He's just not, he kind of needs to break something for it to kind of go right. Are, are the targets enough, though, that you think a high floor for him is in order against this Atlanta team? The game is supposed to be high scoring. Like, could you see, could you see like an 11 or 12 target game out of Landry again here? And is that enough for how few yards he gets on? I think so. I mean, Landry only has two single target games all season long. Like, that's incredible. <laughs> so, it's like, right. just not really what you see. Um, he's four targets behind Adam Thielen for number one in the entire NFL. And he's 10, uh, 10 targets ahead of guys like Antonio Brown, who are tied for third place. So I think, yeah, the floor there is definitely significant. You saw good ownership on him last week in arguably a worse matchup. So I think given that the price has come down a little bit, the matchup has improved. Uh, the game script, I think, rates to be in his favor as well. I think he will be a very, very highly owned receiver here. All right, and then uh, you finish off with Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones, we had Jones and Galladay we were trying to figure out last week about who saw Increased target share with Golden Tate out. Um, it didn't really matter. There was no target share to go around because uh, Stafford just spent the entire game on his back. Um, but do you think that there yeah. – are we staring at another case of this? Or is, like, Jones cheap enough? He did see targets. Um, he for sure was the guy that they wanted to throw to over Galladay. Um, at 5,500 in DraftKings, is that the kind of guy that you can kind of spend down for so you can at least maybe roster maybe two of those bigger running backs? Yeah, so Jones, I think he's an interesting case. And, and what I talked about in the Cash Game article – was also trying to think about which receivers are most affected by their quarterback getting sacked constantly. So Stafford goes out there, in case you missed it, gets sacked 10 times. <laughs> That's so many times to get sacked in a single game. And you have to think uh, receivers like Jones, who tend to run deeper routes, are going to be affected by this, right? If quarterbacks aren't getting enough time in the pocket to you know let people run their complete routes, uh, people like Jones are going to be the first ones on the chopping block. Um, but nonetheless, he still saw eight targets compared to Galladay's four. And so I think that Detroit tipped their hand. I think their plan is to continue to go to Jones and that if anyone is going to assume any of those vacated targets from Tate, uh, that Jones is going to be the most prominent guy in that group. And I think given that he didn't have a blow-up performance, you're still seeing him in this very, very affordable price range, which allows you to pay up for premium options that you're going to want to elsewhere. So I think if you're in that, I'm going to go triple cheap at wide receiver mindset at FanDuel. He's definitely a part of that group for me. Uh, let's finish it off a tight end. Uh, I think Jack Doyle looks like just the very Easy, clear, man. obvious play. He's mispriced. I don't know why else, yeah. why to go anywhere different. Like the guy on a target per game basis, he's fourth in the NFL behind Ertz and Kelsey. And really the only reason the price is in there is because he had some injury issues. By, uh, by the way, he's fourth, but I, the guy who's third is Ebron, but Ebron, it was only because Doyle team, wasn't yeah. there. So like, actually, that's even that's even more the case for Doyle to me. Like, um, of course, because the plan like, in Indy is obviously to throw short passes and to heavily include the tight end, right? 
Exactly. So, um, and especially now, AJ Boy is out. So I was going to say, especially in, against the Jacksonville team that features two uh, amazing cornerbacks, but Boy is, um, is going to sit this game. Uh, do you see any reason? I, I wrote up Jordan Reed too, but it was like such a distant second because I think Doyle is so clearly the play at 4,300 on draftings feels like a mistake of a price. Even like the mid five thousands uh, on on Fanduel seems like kind of a mistake for a very difficult position. Is this? It just seem obvious to you because it seemed like this guy's just a lock, and we can finally maybe for one week at least just move on uh, without too long of a tight end conversation. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that if you're not playing Doyle, you're probably just talking yourself into some one mirage or another. Like maybe you believe that the touchdowns are going to be legit for OJ Howard, so you dream on that upside, or maybe you just think you want to get safety at tight end and play Travis Kelsey, but. I think you're chasing your tail. If you go away from Doyle, I think he'll be, you know, 10% at least more expensive by season's end. I hope immediately jump past guys like Austin Hooper, Benjamin Watson, you know, Trey Burton. He's just going to be significantly more safer, more safer. He'll be significantly safer than those guys going forward. So yeah, I'm going to happily buy Doyle and just try to not pay attention to this position too much this week. Well, this podcast has been significantly more better than other ones we've done, so I'm happy about it. And DFSR.com slash deals will get you a free seven-day trial still because we haven't haven't figured out a way to update that. from Because we, we want to explicitly offer the seven-day trial because we believe in our product and our users have been responding to it, Doug. So I know you, you stick to cracking jokes about my grammar and I'll stick to running the business side. Sound good? DFSR.com slash deals get you started. <laughs> Optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. NFL, NBA. You're all covered under one sub, so go and check that out. We'll be back again tomorrow with a game-by-game breakdown of the week, uh, week 10 main slate. And also go over and check out our NBA podcast as well. Uh, we publish that on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays for bigger slates of NBA. So go check that out, the FSR's NBA podcast. All right, buddy, talk to you t- again tomorrow when we break down every game for Week 10's main slate of games. Goodbye. Welcome to Sherwin-Williams. Hi there. I heard paints are 30% off. Yep, and stains too. Right here. Mm Mm-hmm. Only at your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Right now? Well, August 29th through September 9th. Ah, bring it in. I'm a big hugger. It's cool. Ask Sherwin-Williams August 29th through September 9th and save 30% on paints and stains with sale prices starting at $26.94. Only at your local Sherwin-Williams store. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%. APR, 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. 8.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 33.